Hello and welcome to The Tune-Up, the podcast from Auto Repair Focus. I'm Phil Curry and joining me is Lee Johnson. Hello. Now this is history in the making, ladies and gentlemen, because for the first time ever, myself and Lee are recording this link in the same room. Ah, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting to be here in, 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 in the same area. Well, it's always exciting being around me, isn't it? No comment. <laughs> Now, we're actually, we're not actually in our regular studio, so if audio quality is a bit poor, then uh, I apologise. We're actually at a, uh, a top-secret vehicle testing location, uh, about seven miles off the M1, uh, in a little place called Millbrook. So, um, you can just notice it, there's uh, big security guards everywhere, but uh, we're here testing um, a number of vehicles, and we thought we'd be a bit different and give you a an insight into a queue of the new and standard models that are on the roads today. Is anything at the moment that's, that's, that's piqued your interest? No, it's good to kind of see the manufacturers that are kind of seen as the underdog um, really up in their games compete with some of the big boys and girls um, and, and, and noticing sort of the, the price differences as well. You're getting a lot more for your money nowadays. Exactly. I mean, there's a lot of cars here. Like I said, there's a huge range of cars here. We've got everything from, um, you know, the budget uh, MG3s and the, the Sanyongs right up to the Aston Martins, uh, BMW i8. Um, there's loads here. And we're here, actually, I'm going to give a shameless plug now to, uh, for those who don't know, uh, we also run another website called Alltalk. That's Alltalk, T-O-R-Q-U-E, dot co dot U-K. Uh, and we're here and we're going to be reviewing cars uh, for that as well as autorepairfocus.com um, because we know you, you, you guys want to see what cars are coming up onto the roads and, and the technology within them really and they are quite different to sorry, there's a lot of cars out there that have really grown in stature yeah also as well it's just to give you guys a bit more insight to the cars that are coming out into the market that you, you'll be working on in in the coming years exactly and so far we've had cars with what lane control and uh obviously adas systems i've had one with a heads up display sorry head up display not heads up that's a warning system in itself um um yeah there's there, and the thing is there's, there's so many different manufacturers out there now um developing their own pro, their own processes their own technologies that uh, you know, it's, it's a good idea. We're going to be driving the cars. We're going to be giving you an idea of what's going on in them, and it's a it's a, it's a good idea. We hope uh, we hope you listen and enjoy. Yeah, like the 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 amazing thing that I saw in, in one of the cars we test drove today that you'll see a little bit later on in the podcast. Um, don't want to give it away what model it is, but when I was reversing it, it all came up as a Google Maps on the dashboard, so it made it look like your car was part of the uh, the Google map surrounding sort of thing. So it's yeah, out of this world. And just to say, I haven't driven that car, so I have no idea what one that is. I'm going to have to listen to the podcast later, aren't I? Yes, you will. But uh, before we start bringing you these reviews, and uh, however many we can fit in in the time we're allocated, uh, let's head over to the news. German cities are allowed to ban older diesel vehicles from their roads with immediate effect to bring air pollution levels in line with European Union rules. The ruling comes from Germany's High Court and could be replicated by authorities all over the continent, including in the UK, 
which has been issued with enforcement action by the European Commission over high air pollution levels. In another blow to the industry, the court has ruled that bans should apply to Euro 5 engines and below, rather than ending at the Euro 4 stage. Of the 15 million diesel cars on Germany's roads, only 2.7 million have Euro 6 technology, which was phased in during 2014. BMW has issued a recall of all of its 3 Series saloons built between December 2004 and July 2011, and that's due to potentially faulty wiring between the battery and heater fan. The move affects 294,000 cars in the UK, and follows a US recall of 670,000 vehicles. There is a fear the issue could cause a fire in the vehicle. This latest action follows a previous recall earlier this month, which saw 312,000 examples of the 1 Series, 3 Series, Z4 and X1 recalled over fears a connector between the battery and fuse box could wear prematurely, causing the cars to stall. Technology company CDK Global has created a suite of digital after-sales tools that personalise and streamline each part of the service customer journey through the workshop. Working with partners such as SitNow, the Connected Workshop digitally transforms workflows in the service area, offering a seamless experience to consumers. This concept has been developed in response to new trends and challenges faced by retailers. According to a survey, 79% of consumers prefer to book their service online, while just 18% say they return to the same garage after the first two services, meaning providing an efficient after-sales offer is a must. Finally, transforming workshop operations with digital technologies can boost workshop efficiency. Using tablet devices for customer check-in and out, technician clocking and vehicle health checks, mean that tasks can be carried out faster and information is quickly synced. And finally, the NGK-sponsored M-Sport Ford World Rally Team secured a double podium success at the Vodafone Rally de Portugal. Elvin Evans and Timu Sunanen claiming second and third places respectively. Both drivers proved their ability to fight for the top positions, Evans with his first top three result of the year, and Sunanen taking his maiden podium less than 12 months after first taking to the wheel of the top specification Fiesta. However, there was a disappointment for Sebastian Ogier and Julian Ingracia, who were forced to retire the number one Fiesta at the final service. And that's all the news for now, but to keep up to date with all the latest happenings in the aftermarket, go to autorepairfocus.com. So, that's the latest goings on in the aftermarket, and uh, we're now going to throw over to a few patchy reviews, a few bits and pieces about cars. Um, I think we've tested quite a few different models already, haven't we, Lee? Yeah, yeah, and we've still got most of the afternoon as well, so we're, we're, we're trying to cram it all in for you guys. So, uh, let's uh, first of all, let's head over to our first one. Uh, enjoy, guys. the Hyundai i30N um, which is the 270 PS 275 PS which is about 270 273 brake horsepower so let's start this baby up so we're currently a Millbrook test ground proving ground today which uh, the good thing is, is it started to dry up a bit so first impressions, it looks very stylish on the exterior side of things. The interior is well suited 
It's got like a little mini iPad dashboard. So uh, as we're at Milbrook test track today, uh, we are now following a Audi R8. So the thing that I quite like about the Hyundai i30N is that rawness that you get from the engine and also as well the upgrade on the 275 PS uh, version you also get an upgraded exhaust as well. Prices start at about £25,000 so it's about the same sort of price for uh, Ford Focus RS because they're about 30 um, also as well it's a good competitor for its rivals the Volkswagen R it's got a big nice chunky steering wheel and it does really go like off a shovel so we're following we're actually chasing an Audi R8 it's quite funny when you redline this actually all red lights flash on the dashboard. Even if you're not hammering around the bends or anything like that, it's quite a comfortable drive. The seating position's nice. It's got those sort of comfy seats to just hug you. On this version, you get the upgraded 19-inch alloys. The, the 18s do actually look quite nice at the same time. So we're going up the hill against an Audi R8. We're not losing him. corners very well like yeah I feel, I feel like we're going to come out of the corner quite safely starting off from 0 to 60 there's no lag in between so what Hyundai have cleverly done is they've installed a six speed gearbox included on this so if you are going on the motorway and you don't want to be popping down the motorway you can put it into six then it'll just glide Also as well, you've got a clever iBoard computer as well, which is, it shows you your MPG. So if you do want to be the eco-friendly side of things rather than the N, which we're going to call it the naughty button. So in a summary of the Hyundai i30N, the 275 edition, uh, I think it's a lovely little hatchback. Um, I would definitely look, if, if you're trying to or compare with the Ford Focus RS and the Golf uh, and a few the, the other hot hatches out there as well I, I would definitely definitely keep the Koreans in mind as well so now I'm in the Jaguar XE 3 litre turbo this is quite a renaissance at the moment for Jaguar with the new E-Pace SUV, the I-Pace uh, electric version coming out later later next year. Uh, but the XC's been around for a little while now and the company still does well of it. It's premium. And Jaguar is, a, let's remember, a small vehicle maker they don't have the the range and facilities of companies like Audi and Mercedes but it's really nice to actually see that you know, they're still able to churn out very good cars
So I'm going to take this now around Millbrook's Alpine course, which means I'm going to be giving it a go around hairpins, up and down hills and gradients. And with a 3 litre turbo engine, you should really expect that it's going to be able to lift like this. And that's a really nice gearbox as well, just to point out, that's an automatic gearbox. That is really nice. Jaguar do use nice automatics. They, similar to the F-Type, uh, which I drove a couple of years ago, they really do pick up exactly where you want them to. They change split second. Now on this model as well, you've got the flappy paddles on the steering wheel, but it's very rare you need to use them, especially in the Jaguar. I must admit, I, they, they do very well when it comes to the automatics. I'm currently in the Toyota Yaris 1.8 supercharged. First of all, it looks a little bit different from the normal Yaris on the outside. A few more mod cons. Interiors have been upgraded as well, sort of some nice comfy bucket seats. Driving around town, it just feels like a normal Yaris. So the Yaris can actually go on the high speed, the hills and the city course. So I'm choosing to do the hill course with Phil. What we're going to do is take it round for a bit of a photo shoot and give it a bit of a black on the testing. So I own a supercharged 1.8 Toyota engine and on mine I can hear it squeal all the way around. This, I can't actually hear anything yet until I put my foot down, but we'll give it a go. This car poodles along at 3,000 RPM. Anything over, hear that engine, you can hear the supercharger really does kick in. So I'm in perhaps one of the most important cars in the automotive industry today, the second generation Nissan Leaf. This is the car that people will upgrade to if they've already got a Leaf, or the car they will aspire to if they really want an electric vehicle. As a market leading uh, model in the UK. But the question has to be, are electric cars at the moment really all they're cracked up to be? A lot of people still question themselves over range anxiety, over yeah, the number of charging stations and charging points. I've got to say, my initial scepticism has withdrawn slightly actually, I, I don't mind them, they've got their place. I'm personally a hydrogen fan, but I do think there is scope for electric cars to exist on the roads. They're green, they're clean, Nissan Leaf here is zero emission, and the infrastructure is being grown. There's plenty 
of opportunities for new charging points and there's funding for these things so realistically I think yeah there's a place for electric cars and I do actually think the Leaf is very important and styled on the current Micra I really like it it's definitely got an edge now A lot of people wonder how you drive an electric car and the answer is just like an automatic. You've got a brake pedal, you've got an accelerator pedal, no clutch. Put your little dial down there. But other than that, there's no difference apart from there's no engine noise. So you need to get used to that really. Automatically I'm driving this thinking it feels like a, a nice safe kind of everyday hatchback now there's a there's not much pickup I must admit until you really put your foot down a lot of people talk about electric torque from a motor the torque from an electric motor that's not always evident it depends on how the power is delivered and for some manufacturers the idea of delivering all that power at once would mean reducing battery life and reducing uh, range so for some it's quite guarded and let's not forget as well things like brakes you've got regenerative 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 i can never say that word regenerative braking so the cars need basically uh the battery will recharge when you brake now just driving this now and it feels like a normal hatchback i've just got no engine noise the steering's quite responsive actually the acceleration is not fantastic I must admit but it's enough and that's all I can really say about this car there's a bit of roll to it in the suspension the handling seems okay it's taken the corners quite well we're about to go up a hill now so it's coping with that as a normal automatic would in fact, to be completely honest with you, I could be driving an Nissan Micra. I couldn't tell I'm driving a, an electric car. In fact, I think it handles better than a Nissan Micra myself. It uh, feels a bit more planted into the corners. There's no understeer at all, which I did find at the front end of the Micra not going where you wanted it to at times. So for drivers of existing EVs, this is a great upgrade for drivers of new EVs they've never driven an EV before they're not going to have a problem driving this it's going to be one of those cars where they can just jump in and especially if they're used to a, an automatic you can just jump in and drive it what you do have to be careful of is the range now to be honest with you we have currently used uh, six miles of range in three miles of driving and that's because rather than the petrol gauge exactly how much you've got of course the battery depending on how heavy your right foot is a battery will drain quicker and not top up as quickly as you need it to so there are still issues around range anxiety saying that this has well over 100 miles of range I think it's uh, somewhere in the region about 150 plus so battery technology is getting better and getting bigger still not enough for me personally but at least it is getting there 
and ultimately it's a nice car, the interior is quite a nice place to be. You've got a decent looking infotainment system. You've got a good sort of display telling you just you know how much charge you've got left, how much charge you're using, what you put into the brakes. This is a standard car and that's the beauty of it now. Electric vehicles are no longer space age technology. This is a standard car for standard drivers. And this Nissan Leaf second generation, much better than the first. So I'm in the Tiesta 3.3 V6. Now, when you open the door, the seat automatically retracts back in the position to allow you to get into the car. It then plays you a lovely tune as you turn on the on the car and off the car as well but then also as well puts you back into your driving position before you start your drive so I'm about to put it into sports plus mode and put it into drive keeps on reminding me to take it out of neutral so I've got this in Sports Plus because there's definitely no point for economic driving. So what this does is it tightens up the suspension, the steering becomes a bit more heavy um, and also as well it unleashes the full brake horsepower as well. Where we're going to go is on the hill course. Oh, as soon as you hit that accelerator, it just is off. You can definitely hear the V6 roar from that. So, at 40 miles an hour, going around corners. Think the Koreans, so we've driven Kia's and Hyundai's today, they're not to be missed. These, these manufacturers are really, really playing with the big boys. So, I suppose, where should we put the Stinger in comparison? So, you got Ford with their Ford Mondeos, like top of the range Mondeos, might, might compete against the Kia. BMW M5s, M3s, some of the Volkswagen Passats. As soon as you put your foot down, Around the corners. So much choice. If you're looking at buying a new saloon car, definitely have Stinger in your mind because that's exactly what it does. It forms and stings. So, actually, another competitor from Ford, you've got the Ford Mustang. 
it's not going to be as luxurious as the Stinger. Uh, there's ample enough room in the back for three people. And as I put my foot down, that Mustang that's in my back rear view mirror is gone. The suspension is smooth. The seats are very, very comfortable in this. Definitely brakes without locking up. Comparison, if you look at sort of some of the price tags, you've got BMW, Mercedes, Audi. The Kias are a fraction of the price of some of those cars. Yes, it's not a German brand, but does it need to be? You get a seven-year warranty that covers any eventuality. So in summary, the Kia Stinger 3.3 V6, definitely something that I would think about if I was looking at a saloon car, not one to miss off your list. It's quiet in the right places, noisy in the right places as well, so when you put your foot down, generally a lovely, a lovely car. So that concludes our vehicle review special. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Lee, thanks very much for uh, joining me in the same location for once. No, thanks for ha having me. Well, the, the beauty is we'll be doing a, another one of these in the same location uh, for the next episode because two weeks' time from date of recording this is Auto Mechanic of Birmingham. And uh, I don't know, I'm looking forward to that one. Well, three days with you. Uh, I don't know. Mixed uh, emotions. Three days looking around the creme de la creme of the aftermarket industry. No, definitely. Looking forward to it. And, and hopefully you guys can tune in as well. Exactly, and uh, if you're uh, at Auto Mechanic of Birmingham and you see us wandering around, come over and say hi. Uh, we will be recording the podcast live uh, on one of the days of the show. You can find out what day, because uh, we haven't decided yet, mainly more than anything else, uh, by visiting autorepairfocus.com or follow us on Twitter at autorepairfocus. But for now, it's uh, goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>